0: What we do here is go back, 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 back,
1: Welcome, welcome to The Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to you the the creator, the artist, the innovator, the entrepreneur, the CEO, the executive, the producer, um, you are definitely uh, swimming outside of your you're, you're drawing outside of the lines you're doing things a little bit differently, very highly creative and you're wanting to push the boundaries of what is possible. And as you guys know, it's my goal each week uh, to have these conversations and bring people on that would probably equally validate you as not crazy and that you are are passionate and driven and, and really willing to work towards something. And each of my guests that I bring on, embody that um to the fullest and you know i would say it's not about the first venture the 50th venture that they're on but more about what are they embodying in the processes they're building and of course we never glamorize on success there really is no end there's just constant creation right and so that's the discussions that we have here along the way and we of course try to hone in on a theme that is most important Um, to the individual or one of the most important to the individual that has been, um, you know, reoccurring throughout their, their process of building as well, too. So we have another amazing episode. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody who's been tuning in. Uh, we've had a surge recently in listeners, and I'm really, really grateful. For those of you that are new, you can tune into, uh, or you can you can uh, connect with me at Matt Goddess, but on Instagram. That's where you'll find several ventures and other ways to get a hold of me faster. If you want to jump in the conversation about creativity, culture, and entrepreneurship, you can go over to H D F Magazine, and of course, you can also follow the podcast at Hustle Sold separately on Instagram as well. And you guys know I do my absolute best to get back to each and every one of you and uh you know and thank you for all the ratings and reviews i'm very very honored as well so my guest olivia giantini i I met her back in about 2011 an amazing human being an amazing track record she is the chief branding officer of Audemars piguet and is uh which is one of the most prestigious watch companies in the world and one of the most um um amazing approaches to craftsmanship and and art and culture and so I'm, I'm really grateful to be speaking with her we're going to be talking a lot about human connection forward thinking free spirit and your truth make for an iconic brand so obviously coming from an iconic brand i've known her since the days of krug champagne and under the louis vuitton Moet hennessy conglomerate and um and she's worked with amazing brands i'm going to queue up her background here in a minute but this idea of human connection, forward-thinking, free spirit, there's flexibility in that that allows, and, and, and she also mentioned your truth, make for an iconic brand. These types of things, I believe, um, are what ultimately embody why people have a relationship with a brand. There's more than just you know um, a product and an, and an exchange with money. There's actually an experience, and there's um, a, a history, and then there's... Um, you know, and a, a lifestyle. There's so many different things built in and representing values and uh, morals and a way of being and a presence. All these things, I believe, make it for an iconic, long lasting, sustainable brand. So, Olivia is the source <laughs> at a lot of that. And I figured she'd be great to, to speak with. Uh, proud mother of two. Uh, I mentioned Olivia is, is she's passionate about brands and people that make us dream. She deeply believes that we should remain true to who we are, a conviction that extends to brands as well. Um, she spent the past 10 years helping family businesses grow, making their founders' vision relevant to our world, and highlighting craftsmen's dedicated and passionate work. That is not easy, especially when you're dealing with, you know, um, with the art side of it, right? Because there's, <laughs> there's a lot more that goes into just simply having a product or a service. And uh, she obtained her master's degree in economics and marketing from ESCP Europe in 2000. After her studies, she worked for ten years as marketing manager at Moet Hennessy for brands such as Dom Pérignon, Moet, and Chandon, and Belvedere. In 2010, she became international marketing and communication director at Krug. Uh, she joined Hennessy in 2013 to lead the global marketing and communication strategy for Hennessy's 250th anniversary. In 2014, she took on the development of Hennessy Rare Cognac Collection as global VP marketing. And then after contributing to the growth of high-end champagne and spirits brands, she turned to the field of fine watchmaking. In 2018, she joined Audemars Piguet, the oldest Swiss um, manufacturer still in the hands of founding families. And she is their chief branding officer. Fascinated by the manufacturer's heritage and its watchmaker, faire um, Olivia seeks to nurture Audemars Piguet's values and make them uh, shine to a broader audience worldwide. And she's interested in fostering human connections in her personal life. Olivia loves traveling and discovering new cultures as well as sharing wine and gastronomy with family and friends. So, Olivia, thank you so much for being on the show.
2: It's my pleasure, Matt. I'm really glad to be there with you.
1: Uh, and um, your background's incredible. incredible. I met you back in about 2011 or so. But, um, you know, I always mention that the, the first question is always really the same as uh, I would love for you to expand a little bit on your background and, you know, how, you know, the before uh, journey that that led up to Automar and, and you know, up into what you're doing now. And then we'll we'll expand on there from there.
2: Well, I think you said
1: already everything, right? <laughs> right. It pretty much did. But in um, your words, any, anything profound that you'd like to share on top of that?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, probably... One red thread, uh, till I've been graduated from the SCP, um, is people. Mm. So let's begin by that. Um, I'm just a kind of young student trying to find a traineeship. Um, and uh, I joined Procter and Gamble, that kind of company you yep. really want to uh, actually go into to learn about marketing. Six months. Um after, I actually figured out that it was not really for me. Uh, probably too much based on facts. Lack of inspiration, not on the product, but I was lacking inspiration. So I tried to see how I could find that, and probably that's the reason why I went to the luxury world. Uh, and that begins, the story with people. So imagine you are in the surgery, you're trying to find a job now, mm. and you have so many companies coming to the, the business school to present themselves and try to attract new students. Honestly, everybody was boring. <laughs> everybody was boring. And there's just one woman mm. who actually stood out. Uh, and she was from what Hannah said. Mm. She was not telling incredible things. I think she was Probably just for self, uh, a lot of passion and just telling about the brand, not something else. Uh, so that's the reason why I joined What I had the pleasure to be there for 10 years. So it was in France, uh, working what I call on the field. So this kind of operational marketing, when you learn so many things, um, definitely being dedicated to clients but as well to build a brand, or I should say to try to understand the strategy that is done by the HQ and apply it uh, to the local countries. Uh, I had actually, I was lucky enough to discover many brands, Um yeah, Moit et Chandon, Mercier, uh, Noval, uh, Belvedere, Hennessy, Tenken, uh, so many of them, Glenn Margie. So I had the pleasure to discover many brands, which was really interesting. And I think that's something that can be inspiring for people who try to understand what they want to do. The, 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 the fact that you can discover several brands, several distribution channels, several level of maturity of the brand, because I had to launch some of them and some of them were already definitely mature that was so so important for me because then i understood what i loved to do uh, so that was thanks to this woman who actually just present the company as a wonderful company but with definitely exciting brands 10 years in france mm. and then i had my first son and i was about to have my second son uh, and I said to my HR, okay, guys, I think it's a good moment maybe to move. Uh, let's try to find something. And just before I left for my, my maternity leave, my HR director came to me and said, you're going to meet Maggie Enriquez. Say mm-hmm. who? Maggie Enriquez. So Maggie Enriquez is the president and CEO of Crook Champagne. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing encounter. I think we fell in love in a way in like two seconds. Uh, but it was a real big jump for me. You change the scope of your job coming from local issues to worldwide strategy, which is definitely not the same. Uh, and I was lucky enough to arrive at a moment where Maggie uh, rediscovered the history of the house. And that was something so inspiring for me. And that's where I learned how you build or rebuild brands. We, and you know that, Matt, because yes. we were there together. Yes. So we had, we had the pleasure to rediscover what we call the carnet, which is actually the, the book of Joseph Crook, the founder, who actually wrote down his vision. And you know how rare it is because it's not so common that founders write down their vision. So we came from this and we rebuilt everything. We rebuilt the story. We rebuilt the philosophy, the values, the DNA from this. So it didn't come from what Krug was at this time when I was there in 2010, but really from the vision of his founder. And we actually did as well a huge job in terms of cleaning the distribution business, stopping discounts, be true to Joseph Krug's vision. Nothing else than this. And today, Krug is at the level as what it is today, successful brand, of course, scarce one, and it needs to to remain scarce because, of course, we are limited in terms of quantity production to keep the same level of excellence of our champagnes. So it was a good discovery for me, again, thanks to an encounter with Maggie Krug, Maggie Enriquez. And then another guy came, And ask me if I wanted to join Hennessy. So just imagine you are within LVMH, you have the smallest champagne brand of the group, and you have the biggest brand of the group. You know how big Hennessy is, especially in the US, but pretty much everywhere in the world. So the change of scales, the change of scale was huge. Uh this person was my previous HR director. And as well, after I met the president of Hennessey. Um, At this time, they were thinking about celebrating the 250 years anniversary of Hanesim. Not a small one. Hey, Matt, oh, right. by the way, you celebrate the 300, right? Yes. Of your podcast.
1: Yes. <laughs> I
2: hope you're going to do a big celebration.
1: I am. Actually, I'm already planning it. <laughs> that is Whoa. not a small feat, that, by that, the way. Yes.
2: But that's important. <laughs> yes. So we, they came to me because they were looking for marketing and communication director to set up the strategy of those celebrations. Uh, but the, the little issue was that I had six months.
0: <laughs>
2: so that was a bit of a challenge, but you begin to know me as well. And yes. I love challenges. And the reason why I joined them is first, because it's kind of seen It was an amazing story to tell. Second, because I was lucky enough to be part of a team led by a woman who was really, really inspiring. And on top of, my, on top of that, one of my friends. So I said, okay, that's going to be a kind of tricky one, but let's go for it. And what I learned at crew Champagne, meaning coming back to roots, trying to tell the story of the brand just like, their founders wanted to tell, was really helpful for me because I had exactly the same kind of thoughts when I arrived at Hennessy and said, okay, let's find a story. What are we going to say before thinking about a marketing strategy? What do we want to say? So that was for Hennessy 250 anniversary, and one of the strategy has been validated. The same president came to me and said, okay, done. Not bad. It's not done. We need to deploy it. No, no. Let other people deploy it now. I want you to work on other brands. I want you to work on Rare Cognac Collection, which is, uh, in a, in a nutshell, it's actually the Haute Couture of Renacing. We had products, wonderful products. We want brands. Oh, when I said, yeah, yeah, I love that. So again, coming back to us and, 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 Something that is common as well between all those stories is the relationship I had with the craftsman. So the chef de cave, the master of Krug, and his team, as well uh, the maître d'hotel of Hennessy. those are people who were so inspiring for me. They are challenging. They are tricky to manage. But they are so creative people. And they have the truth. So because they are crafting those products. And I didn't want to say something else than what was true, what they wanted to create. So I had the privilege as well to work with them, which was a crazy story as well. Mm-hmm. So that was honestly Um Honestly, eh, so I spent like eighteen years within what Hennessy. So eighteen years within Wine and I love that universe. I discovered so much. And I love people who are actually really attached to this universe. But something was calling me. I wanted to discover something else, maybe another industry or another craftsmanship. And during the last three years, before I left Hennessy, I've been looking for what I could do. Meeting people, again, people, um, and trying to find what I wanted to do and what I actually love going So it's interesting to see when you begin asking people around you, what do you think I should do? Because they begin to tell you what you are good at, what you are not good at, uh, and what is actually how you inspire people. So at this time, diagnosis was, craftsmanship is key for me, a real story when I say real story is roots, people, a vision. Uh, And something that was as well crucial for me was authenticity.
0: Mm.
2: When you look at all those elements, there are not so many brands where I wanted to work for. And one of the sector that was identified was watches. So I began meeting people in that universe. Uh, honestly, I had a few few interviews, um, and nothing came out. But I said, okay, that's fine. I have time. Let's find the right opportunity to do it. And mm-hmm. Audemars Piguet came to me. Probably because it began to be known in the industry of the watchmaking, that somebody from the wine and spirit industry wanted to join them. Mm-hmm. Um, they came to me. I had those crazy interviews. I had never had that kind of interviews. Definitely not. Uh, so the first one was the, with the HR director, uh, in a kind of sad, and I remain polite hotel close to Roissy because we did, we, we couldn't find, uh, another place and another moment to meet. So it was between two flights. Uh, it was in a sad hotel in a restaurant and we, it was planned to, to, to last like oh, one hour, one hour and a half, and it lasted three hours and a half. I say, Oh my God, something's happening. Um, that was the beginning. And then I met the, the entire executive committee two by two. And I met the guy who's actually in charge of the manufacturer. And I had exactly the same fit with him as the one I had with the other craftsman, the maître de chair, the master seller. Uh, and then I met my CEO. And after 10 minutes, it was done. Yeah. The same kind of encounter that I had with Maggie. Uh, so after 10 minutes, he said, oh, you're going to come with us? And I said, no, not yet. Oh, that's good. Strong convictions. Uh, and after, so a few months after I joined them. Um, Why did I tell you this story like this? Because my career is just a matter of Encounters, um, so I'm am- amazing people, and trying to find out was was vibrating for me, uh, where I was good at, and what kind of brands I wanted to work on. Uh, so that's it, and that's where I, how I came to Audemars Piguet.
1: There's um, there's so many lessons in there to be learned by anybody listening. Um, I liked how when you said what was vibrating for me, what was I good at? Um, I, I was actually taking notes furiously while, while you were uh, while you're telling your story. Um, I like that you brought up craftsmanship, a real story with roots, people in a vision, and authenticity. I agree with you. I believe that there aren't too many brands with that combination, and that combination is um, legacy. It's very, Mm -hmm. um, there's, and when you have that, especially in an evolving technologically advanced world um, where we're becoming more and more connected faster, um, that is a very compelling set of elements that expand your reach and your impact, um, you know, and your market better than ever before. Because those are, the, those are the elements that people really gravitate towards the most. And sometimes they can't even describe it that way. They always go, I don't know what it is about about you or about your brand, but it's that. It's that. You know, there's something. And it's these type of elements, that the undertone of those things. And when there's a real story, you know, they're, they're everything. And um, you're absolutely, it, your journey is perfect, especially the way you described Krug Champagne, because um, it did have that same essence of the way you're describing Audemars. I remember when I met Carl Helene, there wasn't even a. Um, there was the there wasn't even a um, oh you know uh, what do you need to know from me it was moving right into okay so you're gonna come with me we're gonna go do this and I'm like Wait, don't we need to talk about what what you need from me and he goes no 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 you supposedly do this this and this I I, I need that so um come with me <laughs> and, uh, and and your your what you brought about um, Olivier Krug um, he taught me the most valuable lesson I had ever learned um, in branding. Um, he, he, we were, it was funny, we were having an intimate talk. I can't remember if it was in New York or if it was uh, in, in Champaign, and he said, I want you to forget everything that you know about, and I'm, I'm mostly paraphrasing here, but it's, it's pretty spot on. I want you to forget what you know about, you know, an industry or, or your competition. Um, he's like, in any industry, you will have competition. People always have choices. In industry, it's good to know what people are doing, but it's good to know what you're doing. And when you're really dedicated to your craftsmanship, And the people you're doing it for. And you have a relationship with them. You will build something truly special. It won't matter if they go anywhere else. Because they will always have options. But they will remember how they feel about you. And they will keep being a part of your story. A part of your journey as you grow. And you'll never even compete on price. Because you'll be with loyalists to your brand. And that really changed the way I looked at. Brands, at the at the even the concept of branding, um, that was one of the most impactful conversations. So I, you're absolutely right, it, you know, and you were surrounded constantly and consistently with these types of um, of people uh, and and uh, and ways of thinking, um, and then and then now with um, with AP, you know, um, that very much seems to be something that the company itself embodies, right? I mean, with the the, the being true to yourself. And, um, you know, I'd love to hear uh, um, how you how craftsmanship has come over into culture, um, because you guys, you know, the, the company very much um, interacts with artists and with sports in a certain way. And it seems like with music, there's just it has a very grounding feel for a very beautiful, luxurious watch. There's just this combination. I would love to hear more about, you know, how that you know, that being true to yourself kind of shines through the brand and, and, and the way you work with, even when you work with on campaigns with, with people that align with you.
2: Okay, so many questions. And by the way, <laughs> I took notes as well. So <laughs> let me jump on a few elements that you said because that reminds me something. Um, when I joined on game yeah, we had discussion with my CEO, Francois, uh, because he wanted to recruit a chief brand officer, not a chief marketing officer. Mm. So I had good discussions with him, but it was quite intuitive as well for me. Um, he asked me the question, Do you know why I want to recruit a chief brand officer? And I said, well, I don't know, but I have my vision, and I'm actually quite happy to be a chief brand officer and not a marketing man. So the idea behind that is that Unfortunately, marketing is perceived today as something fake. Mm.
0: Uh,
2: the other element is that marketing is quite often used for FMCG, and FMCG brands are there to address consumers' needs, if we can say that. We, luxury brands, are there to inspire people. We are there to let people dream and dream and dream. This is definitely a different kind of job. And the reason why I am a chief brand officer, it's because we want to build this brand on the long term and we are definitely driven by authenticity and let people dream. So that was the first element I wanted to, to, to tell you because it came back to what Olivier Kroginway said. Because it's all about creating connections with people.
0: Yeah.
2: You're not going to tell what the product is about. You're going to tell, in a way, the philosophy of the brand through the connections. And that's really different. Um, another element that I wanted to jump on was, um, again, coming back to what Olivier said, Olivier Cron, uh, François Audemars, François, uh, my CEO, wanted to recruit somebody who, well, first a woman, it's a kind of, how do you say that, discrimination, positive, positive discrimination. But I think it's good sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and I, you know, I'm the only woman in the comics. And I'm, t- I'm actually really happy that there's another one joining. So it's a good a good way to go. Um, so first a woman, but second, and most importantly, somebody who did not come from the industry. So believe me, learn about watches is Huge. High-end watches are so complicated. And you have people within that industry who have been there for so many years, 5, 10, 20, 25, 30, they all speak their own language. References, complications, it's truly difficult to learn. But the good thing is that, in a way, he wanted somebody who did not come from the industry to bring a kind of fresh eye. And that's what you said as well when you meet people. Um, you can imagine I'm, I'm actually joining, attending many, many dinners for Ma Piguet. And when somebody asks me some questions about watches, I can answer. But as soon as it becomes too complicated, I say, you know what? I'm going to bring you somebody who knows. Mm-hmm. An horloger. Because that's his job. That's not mine. And the fact that actually you speak about the philosophy of the brand, the history, what is behind, is actually quite powerful, and that's the way we build a brand. Um, So that was the second element I wanted to share. Uh, And now I'm coming back to your question.
1: (laughs) There's so much Um, good in what you said, too.
2: So you talked about craftsmanship and how it became a culture and how we work with artists, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I should say that um, some people are, quite often ask me, where do I get the inspiration? It never comes from the industry. I must be honest. Yes. Uh, it always comes from outside and it quite often comes from art, definitely music. It comes as well for, from, I would say, uh, urban or lifestyle brands who dare to do some elements, films, contents that are different. And I think about Nike, Nike, for example. Uh, you know, we have a common ambassador with Nike, who's Serena Williams. Mm. Uh, and Serena Williams is an amazing woman, mm-hmm. definitely beyond an athlete, uh, even if she is an amazing athlete but she's definitely a woman who has strong convictions. And we had actually some common points with Nike, and they were quite inspiring in the way they they, they work and they collaborated with mm-hmm. Um So that, this kind of inspiration comes from definitely other universe. So when you speak about collaborating with artists, some people say that it's difficult. I tend to disagree. The thing that when you want to work with artists, the most important thing is to make sure that you share the same philosophy. So the way we actually select and it's not a selection by the way. See the the, the, the there's one artist who's called Ryuji Keda. We've been revealing last year and this year last year and this year three pieces of art that is actually crafted for us. This guy, we met him like seven or eight years ago in a fair at Basel. And, uh, we actually said this, that was something interesting. We began to have discussion, but nothing was planned at this time. He had his own project. We have, we had our own project. He came to Le Brassus. You know Le Brassus, Matt? Yes. But you know Le Brassus? Otherwise, you need to come. So Le Brassus, Le Brassus is the cradle of the haute horlogerie, and it's actually where we are, where we are born, in Switzerland. Uh, So he came to Le Brassus, so he came home, and we 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 kept discussing. And that's only like few years after that he said, "Oh, I have an idea, and I wanted to share that with you." And he said, "Oh, cool, that's the right moment." So it's not a process of selection; it's always a matter of encounter. Again, coming back to people. Values and the fact that we want to say something to the words artists have this capacity To tell the words A message that is so deep in so different manners That's why we work with them Because in a way we have our own messages as well And as soon as we want to send to the world the same message What we love with artists is that they send it in a subtle Inspiring manner and it's by the way quite often inspiring us as well so that's the way we work with artists. And it's not... People say, well, it can be difficult because sometimes, you know, some artists are quite tough. Say, no, they're not tough. You just need to respect their their work and their creativity. That's
1: it. I, uh, I am in complete agreement with you. I think um, collaborating with artists is some of the easiest work that will ever be done. If you're looking to express yourself um, and you share values and the, the, the details and what expression can look like and the possibilities that expression can take you to, you start to connect at a very soul level. And when you connect at a soul level, that's the part that the rest of the world gravitates towards. And sometimes doesn't even know that that's what's happening. Like again, back to that from a branding that I want to be a part of that. I want to feel that. And you go, what you're feeling is happening at a very soulful level. And to your point earlier about, you know, marketing as something fake. Um, that's, that had, you know, I once heard a quote, um, the worst thing sometimes, uh, it was sometimes the worst thing that happened to marketing is marketers, <laughs> was, uh, I agree. you know, and, um, and it's, it's funny playing between the two worlds because I, I believe branding helps resuscitate it. Because if you really know and understand the soul of something, then you understand that the marketing is simply saying, I am looking to connect with all of the people that I know I'm serving and add that value to them. And it then makes marketing much easier when you remove the the fluff and the fakeness and the trying too hard. The beautiful part is is when you're really in touch at a soulful level, which I believe happens at the brand level, you don't have to try that hard for the people you serve. So uh, what, you, uh, what you do by, by collaborating with artists, and yes, I agree with you that I think it's fairly, it's fairly easy, and the fact that you don't also the selection process, is, it's not about selecting, it's just about connecting. And when you connect, it's, mm. it's like the possibilities expand and it becomes fun. And uh, and not only fun, but it becomes um, purposeful, right? In, yeah. in in the initiatives, right? So mm. I-
2: and you know what? It's it's the connection that you have with the artists once you've been working with them is just like timeless one. Mm. It never it never ends. I still have strong yes. connections with one of them I've been working with uh, at Hennessy, not to name him like Arik Levy, and we're still friends. And yes. by the way, he's coming to Geneva and inviting him, me because he he disclosed a new a new piece of art. This kind of relationship when you work so hard together to reveal something in common, it's a kind of it's kinda of, you're giving birth mm. together. So it it's really connecting. Connecting the two persons, like the artist and the brand, connecting to others.
1: So it's that's actually that's excellent put it, it um it doesn't have a um uh, an expiration date. I have found it. No. It, yeah. De- yeah. It definitely. Uh, ha- it definitely just expands. Uh, it's a. It's an energy life force, if you will. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's where, um, and that longevity of the relationships uh, continue to grow, and and it's interesting because, because uh, artists, no matter what um, medium they're using, has um, it has its own evolution, so it's constantly expanding. So as that and and being a part of the different phases, especially if you get there earlier on, I think it's actually very fun when you're there earlier on, and you get to see their art develop over time, whether it's their music or their their canvas or you know their writing or whatever it might be. Um, it also solidifies the possibilities and the relationship even further. So there's, I, I think it's it's absolutely incredible that um, you that the company that the brand uh, and you operate from that. You know, high level of of energetic thinking. You know, universal thinking. I guess you can call it. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I also like the fact that you said uh, in, inspiration never comes from the industry. I I found that to be very true. You know, um, because there's so much beauty and so many different things around, um, in and out of the out of industry. Like, as you mentioned, art and music. Uh, you mentioned urban and lifestyle brands. Absolutely. Because if you notice, uh, too, uh, with urban and lifestyle brands, you're seeing a, um, you mentioned about content that does something different. It's it's very much, um, I believe, where freedom of expression really starts to come through. And um, that, I believe, allows a brand to breathe infinite possibilities. So, mm-hmm. right? I agree. Yeah.
2: But, but it's something that is actually quite important to be able to have this freedom is you need to be grounded
1: yes yes
2: you need to be and, and coming back to the beginning of what you said being sure of who you are if you are not solid enough if you don't know exactly what your dna is you cannot say anything to the world that is going to be compelling so it's it's and coming back to jenny and the the way you build the brand or rebuild the brand, if I can say that. Coming back to the DNA, the roots, like the, the Carnet de Vie de Joseph Krug, or the vision of our founder, uh, Jules-Louis Audemars and Edouard-Auguste Piguet. Coming back to this and to their philosophy, make sure that you are grounded and that you speak about a philosophy beyond products, and that then attracts people. And the other thing that is really important to make it work and make it shine that you need to be curious enough. Mm. If you're not curious about your clients, about the audience, you're going to fail because as strong as you are on your feet about your DNA or your roots, if you don't listen to the audience, to your clients, to people you can, you want to connect with, you're going to fail because it's always a question of how your speech, in a way, is going to touch the other one. And it's a question of emotions. So if there is no interaction, in a way, and you actually just want to give a speech, or if we take the example of the content, if you craft a film and you just distribute it without thinking about who's going to receive it, yes. you're going to... And again, it's a question of connection. Connection is always two sides. So, curiosity for me is really something as well important. Be open minded.
1: There's, um, there's response. I would say there's responsibility that comes with freedom. Mm -hmm. And with responsibility comes accountability. And, um, that is what leads over into staying grounded, if you will. Um, and, um, when, that that responsibility of your freedom also comes at the the cost of humbleness, humility, the ability to um, sidestep the ego, and in order to really connect, and at, in order to really connect, we must be, like you said, curious. Uh, I, I say you know, insanely inquisitive about the people that um, that we do this for, and it's an interesting thing because the moment you open up the um, the conversation to the audience, they have a different. Uh, way of, of connecting with you because they actually feel, you know, I've literally, I've had people online say me, like, why do you, why do you, you know, I just, I just complimented you on a piece of content. Why do you care what I think? And I said, because it's impacting you. And, and this individual came back and said, but I'm, I'm just one person with, you know, you know, a smaller following and uh, I'm over here in such and such country. And I said, you matter you're you're part of this as a community of this brand as a community i want to know more you know how that has impacted you and it was an interesting thing to see one they give incredible information that if we didn't ask we wouldn't know that to me is real market research and market data <laughs> you know, <laughs> is, is listening yeah. you know it's like you don't you, people pay all these big firms and i totally get it i mean i get why people pay the firms to do market research and all that stuff but i was always a firm believer ask the people that you do it for and they'll tell you everything you need to know. And of course, you know, it's your job as a visionary to, to not do all all things and to figure out where there's alignment and what your capacity or your capabilities of what you're trying to accomplish align with them and and so forth. Um, so I, I, I just, I'm just in agreement with everything you're saying. I mean, and and I I you had a, you had a couple of really great, great quotes in there. If you don't know, you know, your DNA, you cannot set out to do anything compelling. Um, And uh, um, as strong as you're on your feet, if you don't listen to your audience or the people you want to connect with, you're going to fail. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with that, you know, and I think that that's probably why you've been successful. (laughs) And so as Audemars and and any of the brands you've worked with is because that's at the forefront of how you um, um, how you lead lean forward with the brand. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. Is that safe?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I think the, I, I can not say it because I've, I've been here within Odomar Piguet. I joined the family just 18 months ago. So it's re- really recent. Um, so I'm really ha- lucky to be in this successful family. And I speak about family and I speak about success, but we are still very humble. Mm-hmm. If you know the family, the Odomar family, they are really humble people. But what I wanted to say is that one of the reasons why we can be successful at Audemars Piguet is because we are free. Mm. And and coming back to this notion of freedom, we can be free because we are so lucky to be still in the hands of the founding families. And that changed so many things. The only thing that they want us to do is make sure that Audemars Piguet will be there in the years to come. Even more stronger, solid and shining in the world. And we are never, never speak about a quantitative objective. We quite often speak about qualitative and the vision we want to reach. So we have strong convictions. We are actually well known for that. It's true that sometimes we don't really go the same way. As or cousins in the industry, but it's not because we are against the industry or because we are against watchmaking traditions. Definitely not. We just have convictions and we just follow them. Uh, and in the history, it proved that it was quite often, uh, good solutions and good ideas to follow. So it's again, the, the, the notion, this notion of freedom is important, but not everybody and be free and at what Piguet, we are really happy and lucky to be able to be free so
0: what
1: do you what do you think causes people to not be free what do you mean um what f- freedom um, is something that I believe we can all tap into I mean I think that's what a lot of people want but a lot of people are not um, mm-hmm. do you think that is that at a at a you know creating inner inner barriers is that um you know uh, not embracing um you know uh being grounding um is that because the ego and the emotion that are you know maybe driving a uh, driving force that allow them to not be free in mm. in the possibilities what what do you think holds people back from that level of freedom that Otomar is so willingly embraced
2: um oh well, that's a good question well, definitely, you can be free only if you are, again, grounded. Mm. So be sure of who you are while remaining humble, definitely. And I say be sure it's, you know who you are, you know where you are strong, where you are not strong. Um, you need to know where you want to go as well, I think. And then you can be free if the basics are solid. And the top of the pyramid is there and you know where you want to go. At least you have a direction and you know how to be free. Now, the things that could avoid people to be free, people or brands. Um, first, I would say the lack of curiosity, the, 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 the the fact that some, Brands, let's speak about brands and not people, but it's the same for people. They just want to behave like the other one. They want to remain in the kind of mainstream. They don't want to stand out. Or they are going to stand out in a wrong way, which is even worse. Uh, so there's a kind of, um, yeah, mainstream following thing that can avoid people to be free. Uh, ego as well, I think, and you agree. I agree with you. Ego is definitely something that is avoid people to be really free. And when I say free, is really express your creativity. Mm -hmm. In a way, you are not free when you are, um, when you put yourself some limits. That's something that, as well, is being not free.
1: Mm. Such all really good points. I mean, um, it's, it's always interesting when you see a brand. I find it interesting when people or brands copy the mainstream and they want to, um, you know, ride a trend. That's, in my opinion, it's never been sustainable. Um, uh-huh. There's no long-term sustainability in that, and it doesn't allow you to push boundaries of what's possible. It basically, to me, embodies oh, so you see a trend to capitalize on short-term, but freedom really comes from that. Let's see how we can take this. And create this over here, mm. uh, you know, and and by doing so, yes, it's not always understood right away in the beginning, but um, if all you're playing with is time, <laughs> you're going. In my opinion, is you'll win every time if you're playing that long game, and and I feel like, yeah, when when people, uh, a lot of people try to stick closely to the mainstream, but that I feel then, you're they're distracted. And the way I look at it is like, oh, and if you want to really play with the market, <laughs> you could say, well, you guys stay distracted over here with these things we just created while we create all these new things over here. And if you're wondering how we really do it, it's just because we embody who we are internally. And that comes from a lot of the core work of knowing and understanding who we are. And if we're very mm-hmm. clear in understanding of who we are, that's going to obviously come out through our craftsmanship, our work and everything else. So I, I think it's, it's incredible where you work and, and what you all are doing together.
2: And I, th- I think people who are not free are not free because they don't dream. Mm. You need to dream yeah. to be able to actually release the creativity that you, are, you have inside. Again, it's a question of uh, being grounded without being arrogant, definitely. And be able to dream. And that, that that's why I think that Luxury brands are really, really so crucial for our world today. Because you, you mentioned that at the beginning of the of the podcast. The world is going so quickly. And I think that somehow some brands are there as well to send a message to the world and say, Hey guys, let's stick to who we are, keep dreaming. Sometimes it goes too fast. Look at what happened on social media today definitely going very very fast I, I cannot dare saying too fast but somehow yeah it's going too fast too fast too far and, and all brands that are granted and are quite often trying to send some messages to their audience which is coming back to humanity coming back to dream coming back to nature coming back to fundamentals for human beings I don't know what I'm saying that, by the way, but it's just like a, no, it's just this notion of freedom that actually reminds me the, remind me this.
1: It's, I, it's, I, it's, it's
2: really a question of the role of luxury brands today is so important for me.
1: No, I, I think it's actually it's spot on what you were saying. Um, the world is moving very quickly, uh, especially through social. And I am a big proponent of using social media as a way to open up the discussion of freedom and creativity and art and inner peace and connectivity, more so than let's just you know grow for the sake of growth and uh, put things out for the sake of putting them out and because we've never had it's it's like uh, we've we've have all the access to all of these people all at once and the floodgates have opened up and it's like but there's responsibility in that and I think mm. and if we think if we take a step back. Um, and realize how beautiful that power is. And like, as you mentioned and are, are completely to your, your knowing of who you are and you can dream big and promote, you know, this idea of dreaming big and saying like, Hey, slow down to figure out where you're really going versus just, just going, don't go just yeah. to go. You know what I mean? It's a very, it's a very fast paced. Uh, World and and I um it's funny I even as as much as I use social I actually tune out much of it um as a consumer but I use it heavily as a creator because I feel that there I to help offset the scales a little bit the balance of let's have a real conversation like this let's have let's you know let's talk about um you know what you know more more important things that well at least in my opinion more important things that matter. Um, and how to slow things down so you can speed other aspects of your life up simply because you're much more present grounded and clear mm-hmm. and clearer um you know and i and I, I do think sometimes that comes from brands such as Audemars where there's history as well and and there's um you know longevity that i believe that that's a beautiful uh that's that in itself is a luxury to the brand because there's generations um, and then there's and then there's culture involved. So you essentially luxury brands. I know that was a conversation when we were together at Krug that, you know, luxuries have a different role in a digital world because they come with so much history. And, yes. But I also think it is a, a, a huge, and I said it then, and I still believe it now. And it's the truth now, which is you're at an advantage when you know your story. Because yeah. the world wants the truth. They actually gravitate more towards it, no matter how fast and, and glamorous online looks to a lot of people. Believe me, it's not the audience you want. <laughs> you want the audience that gets like, they want to hear the story. And when they hear the story, um, they they fall in love with the brand because they they connect, you know?
2: you know. You remember last time I spoke to you about a watch we just launched a few months ago?
1: Yes, I was hoping it's you'd not it a,
2: it, It's not a big collection. Um it's a small one called Millenary Philosophique, but that talks to me a lot. And that come back to the notion of luxury brands sending new messages to the world. You know, this collection is called Philosophique because it has only one single hand. Um, so being a high-end watchmaking brand and proposing a watch to women with which has only one single hand. So you can guess time between two hours if you see what i mean mm-hmm. um and the message is really the one that we were discussing just a few minutes ago it's the word is going so quickly watchmaking is about time it's about taking time and so the message we send back here is put time on your side stop counting minutes and seconds and rushing Try to find the right time for yourself. And I love this theory because this theory is not like, it's not a recent one. Huh? We just launched a new one, but the first philosophic watch we had in Omar Piguet was in 1982. So it's, it's quite recent as well, but it's not like a few months ago. Uh, and the first philosophic, guess what? Dates from the beginning of the 18th century. So I love this story because it really talks, again, again it's so surprising sometimes for journalists that you are not today. you are launching a watch with a single hand. I say, yes. <laughs> we're about precision, but we're about time as well.
1: Well, and, oh, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Oh, oh no, I just, um, well, and I, I find that um, if a watch company can express themselves as saying, you know, t- time is more valuable than sometimes we're treating it. It makes it, it, it adds on top of you know, this is not just a product, but an entire way of of being.. Um, exactly. and, and it's expressing itself to another level of we don't just love time, We value it, we respect it, and we want to do more with what we're given with it because it is not an infinite resource that sets a whole other dynamic uh for a watch company, a brand, I think, than anything else. That 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 sets a whole other tone. Um and I would think would become wildly um I don't want to use the word wildly popular, but just um respected, you know, for um for the for the jewelry and for the for the watch and for the um you know the product itself.
0: Mm, yeah
1: right <laughs> you know and then now you uh coming uh i i was i was told and i, I know i and again please uh, apologies for um any of my uh mispronunciation although you did you did you did test me ahead of time but there's also <laughs> the the opening of a brand new um musée atelier Audemars Piguet well
2: done well okay. done Matt okay. Yeah.
1: all right i'll have to learn i will i'll have to come by the way there as, as you mentioned the brasserie I, I i have not been there i've been to switzerland i just i have not been there and um but yeah, so...
2: Shame on you. I,
1: I Yes, I, I understand. And it was a long... It was probably about 15 years ago that I, I went to Switzerland briefly. <laughs> so. well, you are
2: more than welcome to join us for the opening of the museum.
1: Great. And, and okay, so tell, tell, me, tell us about this.
2: Well, the museum. Um, yes. The museum is a beautiful story. We already had a museum mm-hmm. which was not open to the public. And it was actually in the founder's house, the original one. Mm. And we decided to... Uh, Build another building, just mirroring the founder's house, but in a very forward-thinking way. So we asked an architect uh, to craft a building that was speaking about our philosophy. This architect is called Bjerker Engels, uh, from the, the big company, and he actually crafted a spiro, just in the middle of nature, in front of the founder's house. It's incredible building. And the reason why we call it Musée Atelier is because it's not a dead museum where we're going to put archives only. We actually decided to have our watchmakers working inside the museum. Mm. And it's not working on uh, fake watches, huh? those are the most complicated uh, atelier. So it's called the complication Workshops. And the reason why we did that is because we at Audemars Piguet foster human talents to create the extraordinary. That's a reason why we exist. We believe in people. And so one of the key elements that we wanted to share with the public was our main asset for people. Mm. So that's why we call it the Musée Atelier. And it's going to be, uh, open for the public in June, but we officially open it for the VIPs and for our internal people because we want to keep some space as well for our own people to discover the entire Musée Atelier. And we open it in April, end of April. Mm.
1: What, uh, what's the date in April?
2: April 23.
1: Ah, April 22nd is my birthday. Ah! <laughs> I, was just, I was just curious. That's why I asked. Okay, come. <laughs> I might do You're that, actually. Yeah, I think I will. Yeah, <laughs> That would be amazing. That would be absolutely amazing. Um, so this is the... Well, and again, I like that, again, you are incorporating the values. Um, I, when you said that um, we want the, the public to enjoy the people who are, who are, um, you know, behind the craftsmanship of this brand. And, and so they're experiencing them in real time. And again, it's just, it's, it's that expansion of, um, your values and embodying them. So the rest of the world sees that constantly. I think that I I just, I, I guess the reason why I'm just so impressed by that is that I think it's just so important that the more, the more you live your brand and its core values, um, the more it resonates with the world you're serving, and mm. and you just can't go wrong. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> for those that understand you, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always something that can throw it off, but no, but it, I mean, it's uh, it's incredible. What what do you have uh, next, or what do you have coming up, or is there anything you know, you guys? Uh, I mean, obviously that is a very big thing. Uh, do you have something else coming up, or other you know launches, or things that are, you're excited about right now? Uh,
2: oh yeah, so many. Um, right. No, the next big thing I can speak about is actually arriving in oh, 25 days. Um, so it's going to be the launch of a new advertising campaign. I shouldn't name it advertising, by the way. It's more like communication campaign or platform. Um, and, you know, it's a big thing for a brand like Audemars Piguet because we've been communicating for seven years now with the same platform. Uh, which was let people dream about Le Brassus. Mm.
0: It
2: was really about our origins, which was good. Uh, now we're going to evolve. We're not changing radically because we're still, of course, from Le Brassus. So we are born in Le Brassus. But we want to now speak to people who actually look like us. So without revealing the Adventic campaign, but we're going to it's going to be a kind of tribute to this special and so specific spirit that we have at the mm.
0: Um
2: So that's going to be in March. Then we're going to have the opening of the museum, the famous one, the Musée Atelier in April. And then in June, but I cannot reveal what, we're going to launch this really, really special partnership. But that's going to
1: be a surprise that's no that's okay i look forward to uh, another round of the podcast after (laughs) after yeah (laughs) that's a that's incredible and um and uh, i mean for everybody listening to uh if they wanted to connect more with the brand online um you have a very big social presence of course um we do you know facebook instagram are those the two dominant ones is there are there any other any other platforms that you'd like to share
2: no, we're present pretty much if we were.
1: Yeah.
2: So oh, yeah. and of course we code Instagram and Facebook. We we should code as well Line in Japan and, and we chat for Asia, especially China. Um no we're pretty much everywhere. Yes. We're trying now to have a presence that are even more qualitative. Mm. Um and again, well we spoke about this, but not like chatting for chatting. Right. Sending sending real and deep messages.
1: Yes. And that's, I mean, and, I mean, what better brand that's going to initiate that <laughs> at this point than, than uh, I mean, you embody in everything else that you do. But yeah, I, I think that um, conversations, uh, for, not for conversation's sake, but for depth and connectivity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, thank you so much for being on the show. I, and I know it's an hour of your time. I know it's a little bit later your time as well, too. So I really appreciate you coming on and uh, and doing this with me and um, and you're just your story is incredible. I appreciated you all those years ago and I, I met and was learning from you and everybody else the Krug family and um, and it really was a a very defining moment for me back then. Um, and it's just been an incredible journey ever since. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful for you and your time. And I, I'm actually going to seriously look into, uh, April 22nd <laughs> to come out well, there.
2: I'm, I'm looking forward to <laughs> receiving you in Le Brassus, hein?
1: Yes, yes, yes. I know. I, I, and I, I mean, it's, it's been, um, uh, about I think two years, two, two years since I've been to Europe and 15 since I've been to Switzerland. So, um. Two
2: years. Whoa. Long time ago.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, I, you know, I traveled uh, to South America, and uh, I went to Brazil, and uh, yeah. and then I, um, and then a few other places here on the on this side of the hemisphere. But uh, Europe, Europe, was always actually felt very much like home to me. Um, you know, many many years ago, I lived in Spain for a while, and um, and that that I think was what changed. And then I just ended up having a relationship with Europe. I lived in Prague for a little while as well, too.
0: Uh,
1: so yes. So um, but I haven't been to Switzerland yet in fifteen plus years. So it was a very brief trip. Um, so it'd be nice to 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 come for a few days. Um
2: You know what we could organize a kind of uh let's say a lunch or a dinner is the Krug, Olivier Krug and the whole Krug lovers, uh close to Edmar Piglier. That would be that's great. Kind of, that, that would be funny.
1: <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that would be absolutely great. Uh we'll we'll talk about that offline. Um, <laughs> okay. I would, I would love to, uh, uh, I I'd, I'd, I'd love to, to, to talk to you even more on a few things here. So, um, sit tight just for a second, uh, I'll queue up the credits, uh, but again, Olivia, thank you so much. You're, you're welcome back on anytime. Of course, uh, I, I mentioned that it's a very journey driven podcast. We've had other guests, you know, come on six months later, a year later, whenever they'd like, uh, to talk a, about a variety of different things that are very close to their heart and their journey and their soul and, uh, with the brands that they're building or are part of. Uh, so you are very much welcome back on anytime.
2: time. Thank you, Matt. Thank a- you so much.
1: Absolutely. For everybody listening, uh, I took a lot of notes. So I'm hoping that all of you took a lot of notes. Uh, Olivia Giantini, Chief Branding Officer, Audemars Piguet. Uh, you guys just Google it. Uh, obviously, you know where to, you would find them everywhere online. And many of you who listen know the brand very, very well. Um, you may know it from pop culture and art and music. Um, I wanted to bring a different perspective on from creativity and craftsmanship. So I'm really grateful that we could have this show and talk about these types of values that really solidify what makes a brand um, so connected to its audience and the people that it's, it's serving. So this was also a very big deal for me in general because of all those lessons I learned all those years ago from being around somebody like Olivia and company. So uh, please be sure to support the brands, go and check them out. Obviously, you'll see them all in the show notes, and you'll also see them um, in general when I when I post online. And uh, you know, we're, I'm truly grateful for all of the requests that have been coming in, and for all of the notes. Thank you so much. They they're very humbling. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're just, we're just at the beginning, as I always say, uh, there's, then there's no ending in sight. <laughs> so it's a beautiful process, uh, for my guest, Olivia, for myself, Matt Gosman, for hustle sold separately. We are out.